With this first episode, I would like to take the time to begin a reflection on John chapter 15, verses 1 to 8. And of course, this passage is the passage that relates to the vine and the branches. Now, John chapter 15, verses 1 to 8 is is a very popular passage and one that we have all heard messages from. And so it's not my purpose here to add anything new to, uh, to this parable that someone else is not already taught somewhere. But the reason I take this time to reflect on John chapter 15 and verses 1 to 8 is because of two particular burdens that the Lord has has put on my heart, and this passage speaks to both of those burdens. And the first of those burdens has to do with the state of the church in our day. All too many believers have, have become content with where they are in their spiritual walk. And John chapter 15 verses 1 to 8 speaks to this. What strikes me in particular is three expressions that the Lord uses in in this passage. And the one is that he wants us to bear fruit. But the second phrase is that he wants us to bear more fruit. And the third phrase is that he wants us to bear much fruit so that our Father can be glorified. Those expressions, those words, fruit, more fruit, and much fruit, express the desire of the Lord Jesus that we become more productive in our, in our life and in our walk with the Lord, that we not become content with just simply bearing fruit, but that we bear more fruit. And, and when we have borne more fruit, that we bear much fruit. And, and, and so the Lord Jesus is calling us as believers not to be content with where we are, but to move forward and to become even more fruitful for him and for his kingdom. Now this leads me to the second burden that the Lord has put on my heart. The first, of course, is the state of the church. The second is the source of our strength and wisdom to do this task and to bear fruit. Now the imagery here is of a vine and a branch, and it's a powerful image. And this image, as we will see, it rebukes our self-reliance. It shows us the foolishness of trying to rely on our own strength and our own wisdom. It shows that without our connection to the vine, there is, there is nothing possible. But when we are connected to that vine, there is nothing that is impossible, that there is no limit to what God can do through us. And we need to understand this principle of afresh in our time that that we are in a time when we're depending on our systems, on our programs, on our education, on our experience. We need to understand that the source of our strength and the source of our wisdom is not in us but in the vine. And so as we begin today, I want to take a moment and just reflect on the first part of John chapter 15 and verse one. And that part says this, 
I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Let's take a moment in this episode to examine what that phrase has to tell us about God, about our walk with Him, and about the vine and the branches. In John chapter 15, verses 1 to 8, Jesus describes himself as the true vine. Now, in order to understand this, we need to go back into the Old Testament. This illustration of the vine did not begin with Jesus. Consider, for example, the words of Isaiah 5 and verse 1. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And notice in verse 7 of Isaiah chapter 5, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, an outcry. In this Old Testament illustration from Isaiah 5, the vine represents the people of God, Israel and Judah. And God has done everything possible for this vine. In Isaiah chapter 5, he tells us that he planted it on a fertile hill where it would receive the sun and and plenty of nutrients from the soil. When he planted this vine, he chose a choice vine from verse 2. He dug around it and cleared the stones. He hedged it around in verse 5, and he built a watchtower on the property to protect it from intruders. God does everything he could possibly do for that vine. But notice, despite what God has done for this vine, Judah and Israel— Despite his efforts, verse 2 tells us that when he went to get the grapes from the vine, he discovered that this vine only yielded wild grapes, wild grapes being sour and unfit for eating. Jeremiah also speaks about uh, the vine. In Jeremiah chapter 2 and, and verse 21, he says this, Yet I planted a choice vine, says the Lord, holy of pure seed. How then can you turn degenerate and become a wild vine? Once again, the vine in Jeremiah represents the people of God. And just as in Isaiah's illustration, this vine becomes wild and it did not produce the fruit that the vine dresser wanted. Isaiah, Ezekiel rather considers uh, also has this illustration of the vine, and, and in Ezekiel fifteen he says this, and verse one, and the Lord, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, how does the wood of the vine surpass any wood, the vine branch that is among the trees of the forest? Is wood taken from it and uh, to make anything? 
Do people take a peg from it to hang any vessel on it? Behold, it is given to the fire for fuel, and when the fire has consumed both ends of it in the middle of his chart, it is, use, is it useful for anything? Ezekiel, speaking to his people, speaks about them as a vine that, that was, was useless. And, and he tells us that if the vine does not produce grapes, grapes that are fit for consumption, then it is good for nothing. We can't use the wood to, to build anything. We can't use the leaves. The whole purpose of the vine is to produce fruit. And if it does not produce the fruit intended, it is of no use. And this is what happened with that first vine. The vine that was planted, the people of God, the people of Israel, the people of Judah, failed to produce fruit that was worthy of their vine dresser. And in this context, and only in this context, can we truly understand what John chapter 15 is telling us. Jesus now describes himself as the vine. But notice that he is not just the vine. He is the true vine. And the word true in the Greek language has a sense of genuine and sincere and upright. In other words, where Israel failed to be the true vine, the Lord Jesus accomplished that. He became the true vine. The Lord Jesus came and, and fulfilled the role of vine perfectly. What Israel could not do, the Lord Jesus did. Israel produced wild grapes, but the Lord Jesus produced the true and genuine fruit of righteousness. He was the true vine. He was able to accomplish what Israel could not accomplish. He lived a life that pleased the Father in every aspect, and he produced the fruit that was genuine and upright and righteous. Notice next that Jesus goes on to tell us that while he was the true vine, the Father was the vine dresser. The Father had taken on the role of being the one who cared for the vine. Now let's consider this for a moment. As the true vine, the Lord Jesus submits to the Father as the vine dresser. The Father would lead the Lord Jesus into his purpose, and Jesus would walk as the Father called him to walk. Jesus surrenders to the purpose of the vine dresser, and he places his confidence in the Father and that purpose. And so the Father dresses the vine, and the Father directs the vine, and the Father leads the vine, and the vine submits to the vine dresser. And as the vine dresser, the purpose of the Father is to bring out the very best in the vine. That requires pruning. That requires training of the branches. And as a true vine dresser, the commitment of the Father is to that vine. And the vine dresser wants to see that vine produce 
much fruit. That is the whole purpose of the vine, to produce grapes. And the vine dresser, a vine dresser that is is not concerned about production of grapes, is not doing his job. The greatest desire of the vine dresser is to produce as many quality grapes as possible. And this production of fruit is the responsibility of the vine dresser. He does everything that is necessary. And the responsibility of the vine is to surrender to the work of the vine dresser. That vine dresser, as a heavenly vine dresser, knows exactly what he is doing, and we can place full confidence in him. The problem is, however, that we are not always listening and not always surrendering to him. We have our own ideas, and those ideas get in the way, and, and, and we become unfruitful. And it is because we are not surrendered to the work of the vine dresser who is training and purging so that we can produce more fruit. Notice that God had called Israel to be a vine surrendered to the vine dresser. But Israel and Judah did not surrender to the vine dresser and produced as a result wild and sour grapes. This, of course, is a picture of you and I as well. It's not that Israel didn't produce fruit. It was the kind of fruit she produced. Her efforts were were permeated by the sourness and bitterness of sin. This was the best she could do, and, and it was unappealing to God. And when Israel failed, the Lord God sent his son to become the true vine. He didn't choose you and I to be the vine because we would never be able to produce the fruit he required. Just like the Israelites, we too would fail. The Lord Jesus, however, produced the fruit that we could never produce, a fruit completely pleasing to the Lord. And the role of the vine has been taken from Israel. It has been taken from you and me. And it has been given to the Lord Jesus, who alone can live and produce the fruit that God requires. And as believers today, we need to be reminded that there is only one true vine. And we are not that true vine. And we cannot produce in ourselves the fruit that God requires. But what we need to understand is that while we are not the true vine, the Lord Jesus gives us the privilege of being a branch on that vine. And as a branch, 
the Lord Jesus can can pour himself into us and produce fruit through us that is pleasing to the Father. And the fruit we produce then is not our fruit, but the fruit of Jesus that is flowing through us. I cannot pretend that the fruit of righteousness is mine alone, for without my connection to the true vine, there would be no fruit. None at all would be possible. And with the but with the fullness of the true vine in me, true and delicious fruit is now possible by the grace of Jesus. And this is the fruit that the Lord, that the, this fruit that the Lord Jesus produces in us. And only this fruit can be pleasing because it is the fruit of the Lord Jesus, not our fruit, not our efforts, but his effort flowing through you and me. I am, says Jesus, the true vine. There is no other vine. There is no other true vine. And only I can produce the fruit that is pleasing to the Father. But the Lord Jesus today invites us to become a branch on that true vine through which he can pour himself and produce through us as his instruments the fruit that is pleasing to the Father. May God give us the grace to understand that we are not the vine, but we can be a branch through which the vine can produce its fruit through us for the glory of the Father.